Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher. And I'm Michelle Ridfin. And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand in hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass boot camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time. And you'll be working through in three weeks. So, yes, it's short, sharp, and high impact. All of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So, you'll cover BQ, EQ, and SQ, and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com, or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction. You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of a career that soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. The Lead to Soar podcast is recorded in many places across the world. In Australia, it's recorded on the lands of the Wadawurrung, Wurundjeri and Boon Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures and the hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples across the nation. We also pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Welcome back, listeners, to Lead to Soar and welcome to Listeners of Lead to Soar, if this is your first time tuning in, my name is Michelle Redfern and I am one of the co-hosts of the Lead to Soar podcast and I'm here today with my co-host Mel Butcher. Hello, Mel. Hey, Michelle. So glad to be here with you. You and me both. So we're talking about language again today and some of you have heard us talk about the language of power. What we're going to talk today about is learning the language for tough situations. We've got a number of different scenarios like workplace scenarios that we want to work through and the reason we want to do that is because women can find themselves in workplaces that are difficult and when we say difficult, we're not talking necessarily about one-to-one interpersonal conflict or, you know, kind of, I don't get along with my my co-worker. We're going to go into some fairly specific examples of workplaces that result in three states of being that we can find ourselves in. Fight, flight or freeze response that we have is related to what I call our dinosaur brain or our our lizard brain. So in the days when dinosaurs still ran around the earth, and I always joke that dinosaurs still run around on the earth, but they've just got two legs now. But anyway, but when dinosaurs were were around, when, when, you know, 
humankind was very much less evolved than we are today. If I, there's Michelle on the, out in wherever dinosaurs were, if I saw a dinosaur coming towards me, there were, there were three reactions that, that I could have. Number one, I could flight, so I could run like hell to get away from the dinosaur. Now, listeners, I am built for comfort, not speed. So that's kind of not an option for me. I could not outrun a T-Rex. I could fight. Okay, I'm going to fight the T-Rex. Okay, there's a bit of a power differential and size differential there. So perhaps I'm not going to do that either because I think it would be dinosaur or T-Rex one, Michelle, zero. Or I could freeze. And freeze can be make myself small, freeze, make like a stone. So hopefully the T-Rex with very poor vision thinks I am just a stone and it walks on by. In modern times, our biology is still trained to view or to experience threats and to give us those response mechanisms. And it's our our lizard brain. So Mel, what are we going to talk about? I mean, I think this is a fascinating topic and it's kind of really getting into the those visceral reactions that we have when we're in these kind of uh, environments. But what are we talking about today? Well, before I get into that, I just want to apologize to any uh, paleontologists out there. That is not our area of expertise. And I appreciate Michelle's illustration, but I want to acknowledge that we know that actual humans weren't riding around on T-Rexes or anything like that. Um, Never, never let the facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what we're talking about today is really getting into the, the ch- challenges that women face at work that they need to address. And maybe in this situation where your lizard brain, your dinosaur brain, your amygdala is kind of rising up those fight flight, freeze emotions, and you need some support to kind of bring it back down and find a way to address the the situation. So some of the things I, I came across in, in researching for this episode that we that we could talk about include things like favoritism, gossip happening at work, passive aggressive behaviors. And, you know, Michelle, this topic really kind of came out of brainstorming one of the the courageous asks in a career that soars. And we're going to get to that courageous asks in a few minutes. But what else, what other kind of challenges did this make you think of? Yeah, so uh, naturally, well, not naturally, but for, for, for listeners, whenever Mel and I are brainstorming these topics, you know, we bring our own lived experience to the table, of course, because, you know, we're not, <laughs> we are not rocks. We're not, you know, made of stone. So for, for me, I when we talk about these situations when you have a fight, flight or or freeze reaction, I do consider over my own career when those kind of things have happened or, as you've said, when I've had other women talk to me about it. And the kind of situations that, and, and I really want to put a gender lens on this because I think all humans and particularly those who identify from underrepresented or marginalised communities in workplaces are going to more likely have these kind of experiences. So I kind of want to, you know, but I do want to put a gender lens on it or an underrepresented lens because when you're in an environment where you have less power and that less power might be I am a woman in a male-dominated workplace, so there's just sheer 
numbers against me. So I I don't feel, you know, I might question myself about the reactions that I'm having. Uh, it might be that I'm a woman of colour in a largely white or Caucasian, Anglo-Celtic workplace, whatever it may be. I think there's, it's really important to, to put that layer over it before we continue, Mel, because these experiences that all humans have are heightened in workplaces where you are underrepresented or you feel like other. So it's important for me to, to highlight that. I think the other point I want to make before we launch into this is when we talk about hostile workplaces and workplaces where you are continually having these reactions, whilst we would encourage people to make a choice if they're able to, to not put themselves in that situation, it's not always the option immediately. No, Not everyone can just turn around and walk away. So so what we want to talk about is the language and the things to do and, and evaluate to cope with these situations in the moment. But we're certainly not advocating that anyone sticks around if it's continuous and not being dealt with. Okay, I went kind of off track there, but... Yeah, I think we're on a good track. This, this is good. So I want to also acknowledge that when we talk about this kind of human behavior, it's worth acknowledging that we, you and I, as well as the the other people that we interact with in the workplace, we're all human and we all have some underlying motivators in ourselves in common, right? We are all motivated to be seen, be heard, be included in the pack, whatever that pack might be. And that's that's a, a need for safety at its core. And we all have a need to have access to resources for survival. And so sometimes when we when we see what we term now some kind of bad behavior, you know, over dominating behavior maybe in the workplace, we can understand sometimes that there's an underlying sort of genetic survival mode kind of thing happening. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but I think it's just worth keeping keeping in mind here when we're talking about our own behavior and other people's behavior. And to build on that, Mel, just before we move on, there's also, there are organizations with a culture of what I call dog-eat-dog. So that behavior is rewarded. Now, it might be rewarded overtly or covertly, consciously or unconsciously. You know, we see that in the, even uh, putting a very light spin on it, how do we hire for confidence and charisma rather than for credibility and competence, which is why we see so many straight white men who are confident, um, assuming leadership roles unless we've interrupted or disrupted that behavior and those thought patterns. So you've got the the layer of the individual and then you've got the collective behavior that may reward or perpetuate that the, those situations. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's worth saying here as well that for, for you, dear listeners, today, what we're going to talk about is something on the spectrum of a challenging interaction with a colleague that you need to address with them or pr- potentially even a superior to the hostile workplace. But we're, we're not going to go as far as the super egregious things that might require whistleblowing. We're going to cover that in a future ep- episode. So, Michelle, tell us about Courageous Asks. We have Courageous Asks inside a career that soars. 
what are these and, and what do you see coming from the courageous asks? So a courageous ask at its very heart, you know, we talk about courage and courage is not the absence of fear. It's the, I've got, I'm putting something on the line here. I'm putting myself in a vulnerable situation at emotional or physical risk to achieve an outcome for myself. So a courageous ask is our members being able to ask, make a straightforward request for assistance from the network, from the group, our community. That straightforward ask is without dissembling. So without, I know you're busy, I won't, this might not be good. It's a straightforward ask. I need help with outlining what the help is with and the help that you require. So the courageous ask is clear, straightforward, specific, but of course it is usually something that you're putting yourself out there. The courageous asks in our community have ranged from, I need a job please help me with my networking or identifying what I need to do. I'm about to ask for a salary increase. And of course, for many women, that is a huge point of vulnerability and feels very risky. I have to resign and I want it, but I really respect my boss and, and I really want to do that very, very well. Help me do that really well. Or I've got a hostile work environment or situation or an interpersonal conflict that I just don't know how to manage. And that for me is the one that often, I think it it features as often as pretty much anything else in how do I deal with, how might this community help me deal with a situation? So straightforward ask for help from the community. All right. So let's get, let's get into challenging examples. Talk to us about some of the challenges that you've heard or read or listened to that women face in the workplace and kind of walk us through a few from kind of light to uh, dark roast. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's, let's start with the light. I got a situation where my boss will not give me the time to coach, mentor, work through situations. I find that they will, I will ask for time to work through a situation, an idea, whatever it may be. And they'll say, no, 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 I'm too busy. Come back next week. But then I find them talking to people about the football or the sport down the corridor. I don't feel like I'm valued or given the attention or the time to reach, you know, reach my potential. And in those situations, so that's an aggravating and potentially career limiting situation because it has to be dealt with, but dealt with in the right way, but left not dealt with, she is not going to be able to get her boss's attention and move either her ideas, her work or her career forward. But her boss is not giving her the attention she requires, but is inadvertently, we, we, let's give the benefit of the doubt, uh, giving that attention to others in, in greater proportion. So there's a light example. So there's number one, Mel. Number two, slightly further uh, along the scale, and I and I alluded to, to this before, is an outright interpersonal conflict with typically a peer. And interestingly, that the situation that I'm thinking of in particular was someone who was relatively senior uh, in their career. So sort of, you know, mid to senior management and quite a an open, well-known conflict with a peer in her in her team. And so that's example number two, but was kind of being left to fend for herself to sort this conflict out. Can you say more about that? Is that just, that sounds like more than just an interpersonal disagreement. Yeah. 
So um, a, a clash of ideals and, and philosophy, but also this particular example, she felt that the peer enjoyed the patron uh, patronage or the sponsorship of the the boss and the boss's boss, which made it hard, again, hard for her not to be left held, um, holding the blame for this interpersonal conflict. So a, well, a well-known interpersonal conflict, but no one was giving her air cover all the time to, 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 to deal with it. So it, it continued on. And then, so that's example number two. So that's, we're into medium roast now. Let's get to dark roast. And and this is a very recent example, which you and I both have exposure to, a hostile work environment. So a a senior woman who is is certainly from a gender perspective, outnumbered, um, so a a minority from a gender perspective, trying to instigate a, a very significant cultural change program and running up against or very much bumping up against gendered expectations, uh, sexism, outright hostility, all based on her gender. And that the situation, so for, so for those in the broader team, she had outright hostility from, including from external stakeholders that had a, a stake in, in the, the employees and wasn't getting the, again, the air cover from, at that stage, from her higher-ups, including the, the CEO and the board. So an absolutely hostile work environment. Verbal threats, disparaging remarks, just very, very unpleasant workplace. So there's the dark roast. I want to mention one thing just to get it out of the way. In any of these cases, the person who is dealing with this, so dear listener, if you're dealing with with any of these on the spectrum, one thing that you want to do is document. You want to document what's happening with who, when it happened, etc. So just want to get that out of the way because that's not our focus today. Uh, we want to talk more about language. So Michelle, walk us through some of the, the things that, that an individual needs to do when they're addressing their challenge. So the, the terminology I use often is a footballing or a sport terminology, which play the ball, not the player. So, and in any situation, whether it's a coaching session, a performance improvement session, addressing these, the issues that, that we've outlined, we want you to talk about the impact the person's behavior is having on you, which means removing, so saying, Mel, you are a XYZ, insert expletive for doing XYZ. So Mel, stop being an asshole for every time we're at a team meeting and interrupting me and talking over me and then interrupting my one-on-ones with the boss. So F you, Michelle. Know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, 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 we wouldn't do that. But what I would say is, Mel, can I have a word with you? Um, I've There's been a couple of situations recently where things that you've said, such as X, Y, Z, and being specific is is very helpful. Those words made me feel very, very uncomfortable. And as a result of that, I insert whatever the result of that was. So very much saying your behavior, the impact of your behavior on me is that I feel unable to do my work properly because I don't feel welcome. I feel isolated a lot of the time and that's stopping me from being a great team member and contributing to the organization, I'd like you to stop or I'd like you to consider what I've said and ask them to come back and, and, and ask for a response. So the first principle is that language, really depersonalizing, making it not about the person, but about their behavior. 
when you say things like X, Y, Z, F, you, Michelle, that makes me feel really small and not valued. I would appreciate it if you could find a different way to disagree with me. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really great way to describe it. And sort of relationship speak, I hear this talked about a lot as using I language instead of you language. So I I feel this, Mm. I experienced this situation or your language this way. And instead of the sort of blaming around you language, you did this, you made this happen, happen. What else? Are there any other tools or techniques here? Yeah. And I think in terms of that language, the always, never, and, and, and to some degree from a, in terms of navigating the human dynamics in organizations and being for the business, they and them, you know, there's always a, they've done that again. I usually find when people start saying, well, they, and I go, well, tell me who they, tell me who they is. Is it, you know, an entity or whatever? But you always or you never, that those very big sweeping statements, those generalizations are unhelpful. As much as we, you might want to think, you know, you always tell me to F you, Mel. Well, no, Mel doesn't in every interaction tell me to F you. But from time to time, Mel, I've noticed that you tell me to F you. It makes me feel really, really small. I'd like you not to do that anymore. So always and never, those big sweeping statements, because Unless you're dealing with an absolute psychopath, even even the most aggravating co-workers have, have redeeming qualities and they won't be like it all the time. I'm Mel Butcher and I want to talk to you about Project Best Self. Project Best Self is a goal setting and habit formation intensive. Together, we'll get clarity on our goals, set up the systems we need to be successful in those goals and provide support to one another in our cohort in this intensive. I'd love to see you inside Project Best Self. Come join us. Learn more under the courses section inside A Career That Soars. Yeah, and I just love that this translates to other aspects of our life as well, you know, including romantic relationships, but we won't get... Yeah. Well, I mean, the reality is too that there, there, many of us uh, spend more time with our coworkers than we do with our loved ones. <laughs> Sad to say. So you do spend a lot of time with with other people that in your personal life you may not choose to for a range of reasons, and that's a bit sad. But you know, not everyone's going to be best friends with their with their work colleagues, um, and that's okay. The other thing I want to talk about, Mel, is when dealing with this early, not letting it fester and fester and fester. You know, I I always think about when ants build an anthill and, you know, particularly the, we have these huge anthills that are famous in Western Australia where I grew up and they're like bigger than me, taller than me. You know, if if you dealt with the ants when they were just assembling a few grains of sand, you wouldn't have this great big anthill to deal with. It's a little bit the same as these issues. Get in early. If you notice someone is making you feel small or having an impact, their behavior is having an impact on the way you feel at work. And remembering being included at work means I feel valued, I feel seen, and I feel respected. So if you're not feeling valued, seen, and respected by a co-worker, get in early because give them the benefit of the doubt. They may just not be aware of the impact their behavior is having on you. 
for whatever reason, not everyone is as emotionally mature as perhaps you are. Maybe they have never, ever had anyone who's had the courage to say, Mel, when you tell people to F you all the time, it really does upset them. (laughs) Oh, Mel goes, I had no idea. That was just like a term of endearment. Okay, so... (laughs) That's kind of not the way we do things around here. And that's really hurtful. Okay, says Mel. No one's ever told me that before. I'm going to stop right now. Now, I'm, I am being lighthearted and, and silly, but how how many times have you seen people who have gone, oh, wow, I'm so, because you know, I have had some terrific interactions with people where I've said, hey, that's actually not cool. And we don't do that really. Oh, thanks for letting me know. I had no idea. Really cool. You know, there's unwritten rules in our workplace about behavior, unwritten rules in society. And it's it for me, it's like teaching whether you've got small humans to look after or very, very faces like I do now, we correct their behavior to say, we don't do that. We don't do that. So have the conversation early because the longer you leave it, you know, I always draw this kind of diagram that, you know, you've got um, up the left axes, you know, the vertical axes and the horizontal axes. The longer it goes, time along the bottom and difficulty on the uh, on the left, the longer it goes, the more difficult that conversation becomes. And certainly as the recipient of some feedback once from a from a, a boss who look there was some definitely some interpersonal conflict between he and I but when he gave me some feedback which I I frankly refused but anyway that's that's not the point of today's conversation but when he gave me the feedback that I was abrasive to a particular colleague in in the organization I said oh when did this happen oh, well, all the time okay but when well, over the last 12 months, I went, seriously, dude, we're sitting down now? What? If, if I was having this impact, which by the way, I wasn't aware of because no one's told me and I'm sorry that I was, you know, clearly oblivious to the impact I was having. Why didn't anyone tell me? Why didn't anyone tell me? Why have you let me go on for 12 months to sit down at my performance review and tell me about this? So now this is not about me. This is actually about, so it's really, I think it's discombobulating, bewildering, and frankly, irritating if if you're pulling up someone for something 10, 12 months, two years down the track when we could have had a conversation much, much earlier. So get in early. It'll be better for you and it'll be super, super good for them. But it'll also be better for other colleagues who might be receiving this unwanted behavior. Okay. So I want to throw in one other technique. This is something that I like to do in even day-to-day conversations. Sometimes they call it mirroring. I think of it sometimes as a check-in around repeating in my own words what I've understood the other person to say and verifying that I'm understanding them correctly. So doing that check-in to get get one another on the same page and deploying curiosity in that moment as well. So Michelle, I want to ask you to take us kind of to the to the next step. So let's suppose that someone has used their calmness and courage to have the direct conversation with the individual who is perpetrating bad behavior that they don't want to be on the receiving end of, and it hasn't solved the problem and they need to go up. Talk to us about going to a superior when there's an issue. Well, the first, you've already outlined the first principle, which is do not go to a superior until you've given 
the perpetrator of the behaviour an opportunity to hear your concerns and do something about it. And if they choose not to uh, yet, then sure, that now it's time to escalate your concerns to to the next level. And, and that is, I, I can't emphasize that enough because it's really irritating for a leader and it does your your professional brand uh, no good, but it's irritating for, for a leader if you've got people in your team with interpersonal conflict coming to you like, you know, mum or dad to try and sort out the squabbles. The first thing, if someone says to me, oh, gee, XYZ's been a complete asshole, you know, and I say, well, you know, so has, has that person had the benefit of this conversation? Have they had the benefit of the conversation? So assuming that that has been done, then it's around preparation. Ask for time. Ask for private time with the person that you need to talk to, whether it's that person's boss or if it's you share a boss, please don't do this on the run, on in a text message. You know, honor honor yourself and honor the other person as aggravating as they are, but honor the situation by saying, let's make time to have a proper conversation about this. So number one, book time with whomever is going to be the recipient of, of your feedback or your request for help. And this is a courageous ask. Give them time to prepare. So say, I would like to discuss a workplace issue that I have with um, a colleague here and, and I'll, I'll bring the, the situation to your, your attention, but I, I need privacy and I need your your time for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, however it may be. So that's number one. Please have, have everything documented. When you are in a heightened emotion, emotive state, we can often lose our train of thought. We are, you know, we've got, you, know, you talk about the amygdala, the amygdala has taken over and we're in that fight, flight or freeze mode. So you might find yourself, as I do, I think out loud and particularly when I'm very emotional, my words will tumble out often without a filter and, and that's not going to be useful. So document the, th- the matters that you want to raise, the, document the behavior when it happened, the impact it had on you and what you tried to do about it. And then work through those with your with your boss or the person that you're escalating this concern to. Here are the situations. Please let me recount these to you. And then be very clear about the ask. I would like this behavior to stop because the impact it's having on me is X, Y, Z. And I would like your help to do that. Please advise me how that is going to happen. Okay. I love this so much. And I wonder if you might want to do a little role play with me. Okay. And be my boss for a minute. <laughs> okay, no worries. Okay, so let's say that I do those steps. I've gone to the person, the behavior continues, and I've set up this meeting with you, my boss, and we are sitting down for our 30-minute conversation. Let me take a crack at delivering on how how you just described it. Okay, so... Hey, Michelle, I want to thank you for making the time for me today to discuss this issue. I'm facing a challenge that I'm really struggling to deal with. The situation is that my colleague, Jim, made some comments to me that felt like harassment. They were derogatory towards women. I took Jim aside one-on-one on this date, and I let him know that those comments were inappropriate because they're demeaning to me and women in general, and I asked him to stop. And while Jim seemed to listen to me in that conversation, 
that behavior has continued past that date through the present. And working with someone who has that kind of behavior is causing me to have anxiety when I come to work. Sometimes I don't feel safe anymore because of how derogatory he has been. And I need your help or the help of leadership to get this situation addressed so that I can do my job effectively and with focus. Wow, Mel, I'm so pleased that you brought this to my attention because I didn't have any idea. I felt that there was some conflict, a bit of a challenge between you and Jim, but I had no idea that it was this significant. Firstly, I'm really sorry that you've experienced this. I'm, I'm that that's awful and I wouldn't want anyone in my team or in this organization to, to feel the way that you have felt. Are you okay right now? And is there anything I need to do to make you feel safe right now? And would you prefer to work in a different location? Would you, do you need to take some time off? Would you like to use our EAP, our employee assistance program to work through um, how this is making you feel? Because that my, my number one priority is making you feel okay right now. I appreciate that. I do think I'd like to access the EAP. Thank you for bringing that up. And I think it might make sense for me to move to a different desk location in the office. Or if I was in a manufacturing setting, I might say I need to move to a different uh, station on the floor. And that would help me in this moment. And ultimately, I would like to know that this company will put a stop to that kind of behavior. Mel, you've got my guarantee that uh, that this that this will be dealt with. Now, as you as you would be aware, I do need to make, you know, to to investigate. So the, these are serious allegations that you've made and and I there's a process for us to follow, a process for me to follow. But like any other safety and well-being issue, I want to make sure you're safe first. So let's let's get that underway and get you in a position where you feel safe um, and we can reduce your anxiety about work. I'm going to need to get some advice about how to deal with these matters and that includes how I might have a conversation with Jim and what we we may need to do there. And of course, I'm going to invite Jim to give his response to your allegations because that's fair and reasonable for us to, to do that. Mel, can I just ask, have you had any other conversations with uh, Jim or anyone else in the organization um, about this? I asked Jim on one uh, other occasion on X date to stop his behavior, but those are the only interactions regarding this situation that I have had. All right. So Mel, right now, our our plan of action is that I will start our process to investigate your allegations. We're going to get you in a situation where you feel okay. Now, let's make a time for me to come back to you. I'm going to take the next three days to get advice from Workplace Relations uh, to start the investigation. And but um, so I will have another meeting in three days' time. In the meantime, I'd like you to to reach out to me, or if you'd prefer, I can do a a check in on you either by phone or or. Pop by your your workstation um, every day just to show some visible support for you. I would really appreciate that visible support of you dropping by daily. Cool. All right. That's our plan of action. Thanks once again for bringing it to my attention. And let's start the process so that we can uh, we can resolve this one one way or the other. Thank you, Michelle. It's my pleasure. There you go, Mel. So what do you reckon? Okay. So I think this is a great example that leads us into a discussion about leaders. Before we get to that, though, I want to say that 
this is a halfway true situation. I did have a situation like this that I had to address head on with my colleague. Thankfully, they listened to me and they stopped the behavior. But I, I can imagine there are women who've experienced situations where they addressed it and they the perpetrator did not stop. So, uh, okay. So feedback, I want to say as the employee here, you, you know, you if we worked at a real company together, you would be senior to me. So I really appreciate how you handled that because you listened to me. You heard that I was feeling uncomfortable and unsafe. You made sure to clearly state that it's your priority and the company's priority to make sure that I feel comfortable and safe at work so I can be the best I can be for my job. I think those things are really critical to hear. So I, I thought that you did a really nice job handling that as a leader. So let's turn it over to you here. When the leaders who are hearing this discussion between us, this entire episode, what else do you want them to know about how they need to support their staff and colleagues that come to them with a challenging situation? Thanks, Mel. The The very first principle is the one that, that I demonstrated there, which is to make her feel safe. So think about your safety principles in your workplace, whether you're in a manufacturing or a professional environment. If there's an unsafe environment, we have to very, first of all, so if an accident occurs, an incident occurs, we have to make safe so that nobody else. So number one, that the person is dealt dealt with. So whether it's if they're injured and injury is can be physical or emotional. So we need to make sure that their injury is triaged and dealt with um, and that they can't re-injure themselves immediately. We also need to make sure that the injury can't occur to anyone else. So the safety principles for me are really important here. Make safe and triage. The second one was don't try and solve on the spot. You There are processes pretty much every workplace has particularly large workplaces we have we have processes to go through now mel has made an allegation about jim's behavior now at this point it is an allegation and jim has the right to hear that allegation and respond so i need to hear just like we would investigate in a criminal situation or in in a in a safety incident we want to investigate to find out what has actually occurred so that we can arrive at a conclusion and then build a solution an ongoing and and durable solution so don't don't make promises you can't keep. So for me, then it was important for me to say, geez, it's going to take me a while to get hold of the right people to guide me here. Mel, I'm going to take three days to work out what I need to do here. In that three days, we're going to help you. And look, interestingly, I was giving some advice to someone in a workplace last week about, frankly, a similar issue. And the victim was moved and the perpetrator was not. And there was some feedback about, well, why does she have to move and he doesn't? And for me, the question I asked was, what does the victim want? Because we've got to be victim centric here. So if you'd said to me, no, I'm not moving, I want him moved. Well, okay, we'll make some temporary changes then. So I guess making it very much person centric or human centric here. Well, I just wanted to add that was one thing that I missed was you made it really clear to, to me, the person who was experiencing this bad situation, you made it clear to me that you were developing a plan of action and you were setting some times to that. And that made me feel a lot more comfortable than say, if a manager said to me, well, I'm going to look into this and I'll take care of it. And you just don't worry about it. 
you know. That that is insufficient because how will you know it's been dealt with? Well, I just don't. Yeah, and that can be uncomfortable as well. So anyway, so yeah, so giving yourself a period of time to start a process and then engage your, whether it's your HR business partner, whether it's your uh, workplace relations team, if you've got one to say, here is the situation and what do I need to do? In, in some companies, you'll need to start a, a, a documentation trail. In others, it may be a little more informal, but get advice. Don't try and just tackle this on your own and then work through your process. And that process may be okay. Now, as the, as the manager, it might be up to me to then have a conversation with Jim and put those allegations to Jim and get his response. Or it may be, as I've seen in some of my previous workplaces, it may be done by an independent person. So a person in the HR team or the workplace relations team may say, right now, I'll pick this up. And that can be useful because it can take the steam out of, you know, because you're all working together, an independent person working through the process and then coming up with an evaluation and a recommendation to the manager being me in this case, that might be it. But reality is do take those steps. And then when you've reached a conclusion, because at some point you you need to reach a conclusion, communicate, communicate, communicate to all parties concerned, including those other members of the team who are going, what's going on here? Mel's working in a different building. Jim's walking around like he's, you know, lost a dollar and found a penny. What's going on? There's something going on here. Um, You know, so communicate to the team, communicate to the two parties concerned, obviously, and what the outcome of the investigation is. And look, I I think we can kind of go down a whole bunch of tracks of scenarios and what ifs and what have you. But bottom line is be very, very clear about your workplace policies and processes. Be very clear about who you need to engage, when and, and why, and then have a communication plan. It's so helpful. Thank you, Michelle. Those are really the questions I have. So we talked about the sort of spectrum of challenges we are covering today. We talked about some techniques for using language to approach a perpetrator directly, and then what you need to do to go to a leader if it's not rectified. And then finally looking at it, from the other lens of if I'm the leader, how do I need to handle the situation that's brought to me? Any other thoughts to wrap us up today? For leaders, this is not optional. You cannot not deal with these situations. Do not pat everyone on the head and say, just get along, it'll all be good. Do not try and punch on through and just hope like hell it sorts itself out. It is not optional to deal with this. It is your job as a leader to ensure that you are dealing with the good, the bad, and the indifferent, and that it, that is leadership. So please deal with it. Love it. Okay. Thank you so much, Michelle, for tackling this tough subject with me today. No worries, Mel. And, you know, I think if more leaders uh, around the world were given advice about how to tackle these these subjects, these gnarly issues and tackle them early, we would have less workplace conflict. We would have higher productivity, innovation and just frankly happier people, which I don't know, it just is a really simply very good recipe for, for, for business and leadership. So folks, make sure you train all of your leaders about how to deal with this because it happens every single day. And no matter what level in your career you are, dear listeners, Michelle and I like to 
say you can't just turn up. You've got to show, show up. up. <laughs> and well today done. you showed up for your career and your progress as a leader by taking the time to listen to this episode and learn. So great job. And we'll see you next time. Good on you, Mel. This summer, A Career That Soars is pleased to offer a new, unique experience. Michelle Redfern, Amal Youssef, and myself, Mel Butcher, will be hosting Leadership Is, a live in-person workshop in Madison, Wisconsin, August 11 through 12, 2022. If you are a leader in an organization that's serious about supporting your female talent pipeline, learn more about sending a small cohort of women from your company to the event at leadtosoar.com slash sponsor. That's leadtosoar.com slash sponsor. And if you're a career woman ready to grow your ability to create the outcomes for your organization that matter most, we'd love for you to join us. Visit leadtosoar.com slash leadership is for attendee workshop details. That's leadtosoar.com slash leadership is. This has been another episode of Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. You can reach Michelle Redfern at michelleredfern.com and Mel Butcher at melbutcher.com. Join us inside A Career That Soars at acareerthatsoars.com. 